Where does it go? Where does it go? All of that cast off junk, where does it go? Welcome to Where Does It Go, a podcast about the life cycles of stuff. I'm Emily. And I'm Sarah. And we also have today Moxie from the awesome podcast, Your Brain on Facts. Thank you so much for having me on today. We're very excited about it. Yes. And we have a bit of a theme for today's podcast. We haven't done a themed podcast in a while, but uh, it's an interesting one. It's where did famous people's or famous body parts go? And I'm going to go ahead and start with where Siddhartha Gautama or the Buddha's body went. Where has it gone? See, I'm very excited to hear this because I don't recollect having heard about what happened to his mortal remains and that's just the sort of niche esoteric information that i live on yeah exactly (laughs) so a little intro uh, the gautama buddha because there have been several Mm -hmm. was a mystic a philosopher a sage an ascetic and the person whose teachings were a critical foundation for the world religion of buddhism And then due to the sort of exploratory nature of his spiritual and physical journeys, like in the world, he really did a number on his body. Uh, He practiced asceticism for quite a while and it resulted in really serious damage to his body. There's a lot of statues of the very full-bodied fat Buddha that we're used to, but there's also a lot of statues of the very slim Buddha where you can see all his ribs. Can I jump in? I don't want to be an asshole. uh, Ascetic. Oh, I'm is, sorry. is the Thank word. You. And also, bonus fact, the fat, jolly, happy, smiling guy that we're used to referring to as Buddha, uh, as Westerners, is actually Bodhi. It's a totally different dude. But we're like, oh, there's an Asian. Must be Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it, there was Hotai, too. Is it there like a... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there's lots Chinese, of them. There's even a... Like lucky, happy god kind of a thing. Absolutely. And Buddha means enlightened one. So there have been several Buddhas, including female Buddhas. Yeah, exactly. That's why I, I'm hopefully going to go through most of this referring to the Gautama Buddha, because that was the that was the one that, again, the teachings are sort of foundational. But again, he was not the only one. But it helps keep, helps keep it organized for, for the rest of us. Exactly. So after his ascetic, there we go. Yes? Yeah. Okay. Period. He started eating more conventional food for the time and more conventional amounts of food. And so he put on weight, his body recovered, but it put on in sort of a fuller figure way. But he also ended up most likely with some pretty bad ulcers in his stomach. Uh, The story of the death of Siddhartha Gautama is that when eating a meal with his followers that he had already foreseen to be his last meal, He, he was probably around 80 years old, the Gautama Buddha began feeling intense stomach pain. And it was probably, like I said, the escalation of stomach damage he had already had. And there's a lot of argument about what he was eating and whether it was vegetarian or pork or whatever. There's a lot of stories about what he was yeah, eating. Yeah, there's some stories that it was like a terribly spicy meal and that mm-hmm. that's what did him in. And then some people say it was what a pig would eat, like mush, the mush you would feed to a pig. So it's it's... Very interesting. The Buddha turns up at your house and you give him slops? Yeah, I guess. That's not much of a host. It's it's not. Especially well, a last meal. man, so maybe that was <laughs> Oh, true. Could, maybe he didn't have any teeth. Did you know there's choke-proof food in Japan? No. 
Sorry, there's going to be a lot of tangents. So you just fine. shut me down if you have to. Because adult diapers now outsell baby diapers in Japan as their population ages. No what they what they do is they they take the food and they cook it and then they puree it and then add gelatin, gum arabic, agar agar things like that gelling agents and then put the food back into its original shape. So you might have a steak that was a steak and then they pulverized it and pureed it and mixed it with a gelling agent and then formed it back into the shape of a steak. It's restructured meat. So that Just they can like the so McRib. That, yeah. Basically like a McRib, <laughs> except really? arguably not as terribly I awful it for was you. More like a molded salad, I'm like But it is it's a softer McRib, so it's like a it's like joining it's together old people McRib. Several topics I've covered recently. <laughs> <laughs> the McRib has seventy ingredients, none of which is pork rib meat. Mm-hmm. Yep. No ribs. <laughs> that's We're nice that they have choke-proof meat, though. That's a good idea. Yeah. Moxie, have you had have you had a McRib? Yeah, back in the day, I loved them. Really? Yeah. Huh. Right, right on. I, I have very I poor one. standards. I mean, <laughs> oh, I do too. But it just—I don't like pickles. I think that's a big barrier to me eating a McRib. We can try to move past that. I think. Um, <laughs> I got my husband to start a, being open to the concept of pickles by giving him a nice uh, corned beef sandwich because you got to have you got to have a pickle with a corned beef sandwich. And he's like, oh, OK, I think I understand why you people like these kerosene cucumbers. <laughs> well, I'm allergic to cucumbers is a big barrier oh, right. to well, then, enjoying them. Oh, there's pickle moonshine now. That's the new thing. ABC is here in North Carolina. That's the new thing is pickle moonshine. But anyway. <laughs> I have, a fr- I have a friend in Georgia who will be over the moon to hear that he loves pickles. He loves a cocktail called a pickleback, which Ooh. is pickle juice and Jameson. Yeah. So now I tell him, just drive north a couple hours, sweetie, and all your dreams will come true. <laughs> okay, but back, but back to the Buddha and his last meal. Yeah, his... His mush. Likely ugly death. Uh, he, he hid his symptoms from his followers and continued interacting with them as long as he could. But he started expelling blood from his GI tract, which is dif- oh my God. That's difficult to hide. So he ended up dying. And then after lying in a coffin for seven days, he was cremated by his followers. This was his instructions that he gave them. And then his body's journey takes kind of a left turn from what he wanted. It is a tenet of Buddhism that Siddhartha Gautama achieved nirvana multiple types of nirvana because there's more than one type of nirvana Mm. like there's more than one buddha so i guess kind of like what was really him became everything and nothing but he's still out of body uh he wanted his lay followers to disperse his ashes probably directly instructing them to place them in what reliquaries called stupas but there's also a possibility that he wanted his ashes cast in a river in his home sort of colony in India, but that didn't happen. Uh, after he was cremated, his lay followers were ready to go to set up the stupas, and then came kings. There were seven kings that showed up on time and one king that showed up late. And they were interested in getting a hold of the ashes of the Gautama Buddha. Mm, okay. And since the lay followers did not want to get murdered... They went ahead and split it up into 10 portions. Uh, Eight went to all the different folks that had shown up. 
the bucket that held the ashes went to uh, the the Brahmin that was supposed to bring all of his ashes back home. So there was some ash residue in the bucket. And then the ashes from the fire, so potentially there's some Buddha in the fire, uh, went to the the monarch that was late. And this will come back into the story, the, the pyre ashes. The stupas are sort of a, a domed building that's set up to you know, draw people to it and relics are put in it. It doesn't have to be just ashes of Siddhartha Gautama. It could be lots of stuff. And so they went and set these up and there's at least one still remaining. Uh, but somewhere between 100 and 300 years later, when King Ashoka came to power and he sort of was a unifying monarch in the Indian subcontinent, he took over a lot of it. He also converted to Buddhism, and he wanted to spread the good news. He ruled what was called the Mauryan Empire from circa 268 to circa 232 BCE. And there's two stories for this that I found. And so it went one way or the other way, according to legend. Either King Ashoko began to gather all the ashes together from the eight kingdoms that had taken portions of the ashes initially. He was able to gather them all except for the Ramagrama ashes, which is in an area that is technically in Nepal, but it's on the sort of the Nepal-India border. Oh, okay. And then the legend goes that there's a serpent king, a.k.a. Nagas, that was guarding the Ramagrama stupa, and it was too difficult to overpower him. So those ashes are actually still there. There's still a stupa there. It has been found archaeologically, and there's still relics there. Whether or not it's actually Siddhartha Gautama's ashes is, I mean, you can shrug a lot about relics. It's, right. they are where they are. And so that's one story. The other story is that King Ajatashatru of Magadha gathered the Buddha's relics and hid them in an underground stupa in his little kingdom. So he gathered them all together, except for the Ramagrama ones. Those were still there. I guess the, you know, the snake king couldn't be defeated by this guy either. And then the Buddha's relics were protected by spirit-powered mechanical robots. Sweet. I'm sorry, go back over that again? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I, had, I had a little something crazy stuck in my ear. What? Yeah, so in the underground stupa, per the Loka Panati, which is a, a, a rating about... Uh, I guess, you know, sort of a Buddhist journey in Indian history, mythic and otherwise. The Buddha's relics were protected by spirit-powered mechanical robots until they were disarmed by King Ashoka. And then he took all the relics back to his kingdom. No, I'm I sorry. I'm still hung up a, on the robots. <laughs> I want to I, I, I wanna get a spirit-powered mechanical robot. Oh, isn't that just, wouldn't that just be the, um, oh, I can't remember, is it the younger brother on Full Metal Alchemist? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, it's, now now I can relate to it. It's, okay. it's a not uncommon, like, horror trope. Yes. Of the soul of someone being utilized, or the spirit of someone being utilized to mechan- or to animate something mechanical. This is so amazing. Okay. So there's, like, a third fold to this possible story. And this one makes the most sense to me simply because it would be the least effort. So <laughs> there is a, a likelihood that King Ashatashatru 
received the ashes from the pyre of the cremation of Buddha, the Siddhartha Gautama Buddha, and King Ashoka distributed these ashes. So he just found the one place where all the pyre ashes were and took them. And that one sounds like the least effort to me versus mechanical, spirit-powered guardians and an underground stoop and all this stuff. I mean, uh, true, but I prefer the spirit-powered robots. And yeah. hey, I wasn't there, so <laughs> I, I cannot say that didn't happen. Me either. <laughs> I'd like to believe that there were spirit-powered robots, and so that's the way it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so once as many of the relics as King Ashoka could gather wherever he got them from, were together. He dispersed them to 84,000 different stupas. What? There are also stupas that are placed where important life events happened for the Gautama Buddha, such as his birthplace, his death location, his first turning of the Wheel of Dharma, etc. I think his first haircut got one. And hair will factor into where did his body go. Uh, the different stupas were all over the domain of Ashoka, as well as being sent to other countries. There was a lot of sharing of relics, and it's a lot of times they're gifted to monarchs or leaders or existing Buddhist enclaves. And I'll go into kind of where there are known things that are assumed to be relics of Buddha. Uh, the stupas are in varying states of repair and veneration. Some are super well-kept, and then some are completely derelict or went missing or get uncovered by earthquakes, stuff like that. There are probable relics that can include body parts or ashes of the Buddha in Afghanistan, America, meaning the United States of America, Bangladesh, Bhutan, Cambodia, China, India, Indonesia, Japan, Korea, Laos, Malaysia, Mongolia, Myanmar, Nepal, Pakistan, Persia slash Iran, Russia, Singapore, Sri Lanka, Thailand, Tibet, Vietnam, and also depending on whether or not you are a Buddhist in your sort of belief system, heaven. Well, that just, it sounded like a killer world tour. For real. And there's actually, there was a world tour of Buddha relics. Really? Yep. That sounds really cool, actually. So I'm going to run down this list quickly because I don't want to talk about teeth and hair for 15 minutes. I'll talk about it for five most of these relics are portions of bone, teeth, Buddha's hair, or uh, what are called either sharira or ringsels. And the sharira or ringsels are these little pearly looking cremains, so cremated remains, purportedly from the Buddha, the Siddhartha Gautama Buddha. So that's what people have or think that they have in all those countries. Afghanistan, and this was reported in the 5th century by a Chinese pilgrim, there was a portion of Buddha's skull, some teeth and hair in a stupa there. In America, near Los Angeles, in the Lu Mountain Temple, there are teeth and hair that are purportedly Siddhartha Gautama's. Bhutan has ringsels, which are the pearl-like cremains that I was talking about. Cambodia has Lots of relics. The closer you get to the Indian subcontinent or in the Indian subcontinent, the more relics there tend to be in places. So Cambodia has a lot of them. They're not in the Indian subcontinent, but they're closer than, say, Los Angeles. And there are a lot of relics that have been gifted to leaders at different times and stolen relics. Uh, there were two notable thefts. In 2013, an urn of hair, teeth, and bones was stolen, and there was a nationwide manhunt to find who took it. Wow. It was recovered in February of 2014. But there were also remains stolen in the early 2000s 
in the Odong Mountains that remain missing. So who knows where those body parts are. In China, there are lots of relics. And I kept reading about Chinese pilgrims being participants in spreading discussions of how Buddhism was being practiced uh, in terms of writing about Buddha's remains, in terms of potentially collecting them. There are at least 19 pagodas in China holding relics that were gifted to China by King Ashoka. And a lot of these relics have been rediscovered in the 20th century after being moved or forgotten or just written about, but then nobody remembered where they were. In India, obviously, there are an enormous number of relics since that's where probably the bulk of the 84,000 purported portions of Siddhartha Gautama went. Was he very large, man? Because that is a lot. Well, and that's a very important point <laughs> well, I mean, to make. Once you've been reduced to a fine powder, it's pretty easy to spread you over a wide area. But 84,000? That is, that is an important point to make in terms of relics and human veneration of relics in general. And uh, prior to researching this, I was most familiar with Catholic saint relics. But the provability that they are what they are can be very challenging. Mm-hmm. And... It can become the type of thing where I was telling Sarah that the Buddha must have had 300 teeth because there are teeth everywhere. He was a shark. (laughs) (laughs) So it's the type of thing where I don't, I'm not intending to question people's faith or say that people are specifically faking different things. It's just whether you think that all these teeth came out of the mouth of Siddhartha Gautama or not is up to you. I mean, anywhere that anywhere that there are relics, there will be fake relics because because, you know, it's just super easy to do. It was a huge cottage industry in the Middle Ages, in the times of pilgrimages to the Holy Land. And all you need is some some loose bones and a good sales pitch and you're in the money. Exactly. (laughs) Or teeth. (laughs) Or the relic I'm going to be talking about, but I'm going to let you live in the suspense until we get there. (laughs) Uh, Hair as I've said before, features somewhat prominently. The site of Siddhartha Gautama's first haircut, apparently his hair was either flung up into heaven or gifted to a general to be carried into battle to ensure victory. Japan, several teeth are part of legend. Attempts to destroy them go badly. Uh, That tends to destroy the destroying tools instead. In Korea, there are bone relics in several locations versus teeth and they're mostly gathered during pilgrimages to China. So China pilgrimages into the Indian subcontinent, Korean pilgrimages into China. Because there are never counterfeits in China. Never. No. It doesn't happen. It's impossible. It's unheard of. <laughs> the in uh, Laos, there are uh, there's possibly Siddhartha Gautama's sternum brought by ambassadors from King Ashoka. So that's sort of a very old so they took it out before they burned him? Or it didn't burn well. Because bones are tough to burn. So Malaysia. They were recipients of bone relics found in Uttar Pradesh in the late 19th century. Gifted then to Thai monarchs, then gifted to Malaysian Buddhists. Other various reliquaries are usually the result of gifts from other countries. A lot of them gifted from Sri Lanka. In Mongolia, there is a hidden something from Siddhartha Gautama. The third Dalai Lama is reported to have given given the ruling Khan of the time, Abtai Sain Khan, a relic. Don't know what. It has remained hidden to prevent the Soviet government from finding and taking it. 
Myanmar has a huge number of relics, teeth, hair, bones. Uh, one was actually rediscovered in 1912 when the top of it crumbled due to an earthquake exposing relics. Buddhism is a big deal in Myanmar. You can learn an awful lot about Buddhist activity in Myanmar by just reading the news recently. In Nepal, the only known intact original stupa of the eight or ten, depending on what what you read, the Ramagrama stupa is on the close to the border between India and Nepal. In Pakistan, there were bone relics in the Peshwar stupa. It was known as the tallest stupa in the world. It was destroyed. They were moved to Mandalay, Myanmar, after excavation in the early 20th century by British archaeologists. And then they just took them out of Pakistan. That stupa became, in Myanmar became derelict. And then the box is now held by Burmese monks until a stupa can be rebuilt. So that stupa that was the most large, would you say that was a super stupa? Yes. I'll see myself out. I absolutely would. (laughs) Russia actually has, there were discussions of Sri Lankan relics being provided to Kirsan Ilyumjinov, which was a former president, for safekeeping. I don't really know why. In Singapore, there's a tooth relic that's housed probably from a collapsed stupa from Myanmar. Sri Lanka has a huge number of relics. They tie in a lot with being provided to leaders of other countries. And then there's also a discussion of them reforming into Siddhartha Gautama again in Sri Lanka, potentially, in the future or in the past. Like Voltron? Give it like a really, really slow and agonizing Voltron. Yeah, like a really dusty Voltron. Yeah, (laughs) Very dusty Voltron. (laughs) In Thailand, they've gifted a lot of relics to people. And they provided... There were relics provided to the leader of Thailand in the 19th century, including some from Sri Lanka, and they may have up to 50,000 relics in Wat Kom Ping. Again, this is like massive numbers of stuff that just, it's hard, it stretches credulity that it is from one instance of cremation in one time and place in India. But hey. I'm really stuck on Buddha Voltron and the (laughs) spirit robots. Just wait. (laughs) Okay. I'm excited. I only have like three more. I I can already see the early nineties Japanese TV show of this. You know, and then and then we'll take it and recut it and make another Power Rangers series. Oh yeah. Tibet. Uh Tibet features prominently in Buddhism. That's where the Dalai Lama lives. The Dalai Lama set up an exhibit of relics from Gautama Buddha and other Buddhist notables in two thousand one. These relics went with him when he left Tibet in 1959, and the exhibit has traveled to at least 61 countries. And then in Vietnam, several monasteries were founded in the 50s and 60s that are said to house relics. There is one possible future for the relics, which would be the... Where is the... Oh, the final nirvana of the relics. Wow. There is a belief that the relics of Buddha... Siddhartha Gautama Buddha will reassemble under the bow tree where he died after his teachings have been forgotten and his relics are no longer venerated. They will then shed light on 10,000 worlds and attain nirvana, the relics themselves. Uh, So that's something to look forward to. Yeah, that definitely just sounds like the intro to the TV show about the Buddha Voltron and the spirit uh, spirit robots. And the multiverse. Yeah. That when, when he is needed, he will reform under the Bodhi tree. 
and shine exactly. his light. I can hear it in like the Dragon Ball Z announcer voice. Exactly. Yeah. This is genius. It's probably not subject to copyright either. Let's get on this. It's probably not. It's pretty exactly. old. This is our new podcast. We'll start is, the... The, is the Adventures of the Reformed Buddha Voltron. I mean, if you saw how Critical Role got like a million dollars on their Kickstarter inside of three hours, we can do this. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure we have their kind of follower numbers. Yeah, we we have like tens of listeners. Yeah. I don't know what your listener base is like, but we have tens of them. Oh, it's and we int- have a lot of people in Sweden. Yes, I keep talking about that. I'm big in Latvia for some reason. <laughs> hey, good for you. Wait, we could go on tour together, and we'll just be touring Scandinavia together. Yeah, not this time of year. No, <laughs> yeah, Get, no, no. Let's, no, let's shoot for maybe next May. Yes. Ooh. That'd probably be nice. So yeah, that's where the Buddha went. Sarathar Gautama Buddha. I should be clear. Uh, uh, Eighty-four thousand of him, and he was a very hairy shark, apparently, because <laughs> his hair and his teeth are everywhere. Very hairy shark. It's the, it's the verse of Baby Shark. They don't sing very often. Buddha <laughs> shark, do do do. You might want to check out uh, an episode of the Decoder Ring uh, podcast where they actually look into who who has the copyright. On Baby Shark, because there's a couple of people who claim to have originated it. That is a good question. Like one guy claims to have written it. However, it turned up it was in a Girl Scout songbook or something. So something from the Girl Scouts from a few years before he says he wrote it. So yeah, it's on the Decoder Ring podcast. Cool. I'll track that down and we'll link it in the show notes. So that's me. It was actually the first time I ever heard that song. I'd seen memes referencing it, but I'm like, I don't know what this is. But I have a feeling it would really stick in my head if I listened to it. Yeah. So, no. <laughs> I have a three-year-old, so I know it really well. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. So, Moxie, what are you covering today? Well, it segues very nicely from yours because I am also talking about uh, a holy relic and a suspicious number of claims to having had said holy relic. We are going to another religious base figure, the OG jc jesus christ nice yep now christ as you know at least what the book says was a jew and being a little jew boy on his eighth day would have had a bris a ceremonial circumcision the removal of the foreskin from his little penis oh, are we working blue by the way or it's fine just do- oh, cool all right we'll put it in we can put it in the notes that this one's not necessarily safe for work and we'll call that cool yeah well, even, even, if, even if I stick to just medical terminology, I still wouldn't listen to this while I'm doing my filing in the back office. <laughs> you, never know, you never know who is going to, uh, who is going to walk in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I was saying that relics were big business. Uh, it became an obsession in Europe for several centuries. Multiple churches claimed to have the heads of John the Baptist. Vendors on the pilgrimage roads would sell these uh, white stones and claim they were milk stones from from excess milk when uh, the Holy Mother Mary was nursing baby Jesus. <laughs> sure, why not? You know, God, that sounds Look, there is, so painful. That's not a thing that happened. I don't. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think rocks came out of her breast. But I think milk dripped onto the rocks. Yeah. Exa- I, yeah, and and you can get the pilgrims to buy them because oh, they're stupid. Oh, yeah. okay, 
This makes because, so much more because sense. Because you people will buy anything. I've never breastfed a baby, but Emily has, and I looked at her horrified, like, oh my God, does it? That's that not what happens. happens? <laughs> no. Sounds you, horrible. You can have all sorts of trouble with nursing, but if there's well i mean there's no leak leaking's a thing yeah and you can leaking, you can get leakings, blockages absolutely. but they're not rocks i thought it was like bladder no. stones kind of Ooh. Thing. no no no, no. Okay. despite the calcium in milk you don't get calci in your breasts i used to raise uh dairy goats so i was all the time uh dealing with lactation issues and uh, on the lookout for mastitis and things of that nature mm-hmm. but yeah so relics Big, big industry for for fakes, but the real sought-after relic was the foreskin of Jesus Christ. And I'm trying to find my notes where the section starts. Hold on a second. That's so weird. Yeah. What a strange thing. <laughs> what, a, what a strange thing to really People be excited about. We are when a, you're a strange, stranger. We are a strange species. How we came to dominate the planet... We'll never know. <laughs> I believe it's thumbs. Yeah. It is our thumbs. Yeah, I think I that's a big part of it. I believe it's thumbs. Though we evolve much faster than we really should have, because we're not really meant to be standing upright as much as we do. Our feet are not designed for it. Our backs are not designed for it. Our pelvises are not designed to birth the heads of the babies that we have, which is a theory as to why why women ha- human women have menopause at the end of our lives is so that there would be women to care for the children of women who died in childbirth because our pelvises are not made for the heads Mm -hmm. of our babies we're just not done yet really yeah we're just (laughs) no yeah we're just nasty teenagers who think we're super important and that everything we like is super important but anyway (laughs) so yeah (laughs) yeah so milkstones uh finger bones of saints wood from the true cross the head of John the Baptist, the closer you could get to Jesus, the more valuable a relic would be. Now, according to Christian doctrine, Jesus ascended part and parcel to heaven three days after his execution. But then some people realized, wait, he was Jewish. He would have been circumcised. There might still be a little piece of Jesus on earth. Okay, over the course of 33 years, I would think that that would have disintegrated. But hey, don't let me put logic in the midst of your your reliquary here. (laughs) Thus began a frantic search through the Holy Land to find a tiny, tiny little ringlet of dried skin. According to uh, James Bentley's book, Restless Bones, The Story of Relics, Cheru in the Diocese of Poitiers in France insists that Charlemagne gave its abbey the Holy Prepuce, which I'm probably mispronouncing. Again, don't look to me for pronunciation. <laughs> I'm one of those nerds. I'm one of those nerds who's only ever read the words, never heard them said. Mm-hmm. So you, you have it wrong in your head for like 30 years until you actually hear a native speaker say it. In the early 12th century, the monks of Cheru carried their most precious relic in triumph to Rome exhibiting the foreskin alongside a piece of the true cross and Jesus's sandals before Pope Innocent III. Yet at the time, another foreskin, also claiming to be Jesus's, was on show in the parish of Calcutta, which is not the Indian city of Calcutta, a medieval village in the province near north of Rome. Another was displayed in an abbey of Colombes in the diocese Chartres, a fourth rested at Pew, a fifth at Metz, a sixth at Anvers, a seventh at Hildesheim, 
an eighth holy foreskin was in the church of Notre Dame of Vaux, there were a total at its peak of 21 little pieces of sinew that were supposedly the foreskin of Jesus. Was he an octopus? <laughs> I'm just wondering. Uh, octopenis. For <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. I mean, and now, admittedly, in many species of octopus, they actually don't have eight legs. They have seven legs, and the male, well, the males have seven legs and a uh, hectocotylus, which is a, a pseudo penis. And when mating, they will just get near the female and rip off their hectocotylus and throw it at her and hope she takes it. So it, he was an octopus. Yeah. Uh, apparently yeah he was yeah. one of the uh deep ones <laughs> that's why he was in the desert okay um <laughs> he was one of those rare land land dwelling hairy octopuses yes <laughs> now okay according to uh to bentley naturally enough each religious foundation possessing such a relic disputed the authenticity of the others Pope Innocent III refused to judge the issue, declaring that only God could know the truth about something so delicate. Just imagine, like, being El Popa and having someone bring you this in your daily agenda. I need you to determine which one of these foreskins is the real foreskin. And you just, like, go, uh, pinch the bridge of your nose. You'd be like, that's it. That's it. Nobody gets to have a foreskin. <laughs> God knows that's wanna, good enough. The end. I don't I don't want to know. I don't want to hear about the foreskins. Anyway. <laughs> but over time, uh, Sheru won out in the reliquary battle. Pope Clement VIII, who was in office in the early 1500s, issued a papal bull granting indulgences to anyone who made a pilgrimage to view the foreskin at Sheru. Then, tragedy struck. The relic disappeared. Some thought it was stolen, some thought it had been sold, some thought it had been spirited away to Rome for safekeeping by the Vatican. In in the uh, 1850s, a workman found a reliquary box hidden inside a wall. And guess what was inside? That wasn't a cruller, it was <gasps> the foreskin. <laughs> I also want everybody to stop and think about the fact that f- for these knockoffs to work there had to be something there like nobody's going to just buy a box that you say has jesus's foreskin in it so there has to be like an actual piece of tissue in there mm-hmm. somebody's foreskin has and it you know uh one of the catholic saints saint catherine who uh like uh buddha Gautama, was an ascetic but took it way way too far in the wrong direction Uh, in her pursuit of holiness by tending to the poor and the diseased. Those persons of a delicate constitution may wish to hit their skip button at this time. Did they eat her? No, but she would eat scabs and lick pus from lepers. Oh, you know. That is a weird efficiency right there, but hey. But she believed that she was singularly the bride of christ as nuns are referred to being brides of christ but she thought she was the one uh, because she had had a dream in which christ appeared and gave her the foreskin as her wedding ring which she claimed to always thereafter be able to see upon her finger penises of the famous they get a lot of mileage after the famous person dies (laughs) 
<laughs> For example, Napoleon Bonaparte, who I would like to make sure everyone knows, was not short. That was a dig by the above average height for his time. The same could not necessarily be said for his little emperor. I was going to say, was was his penis short? Because maybe that's why... Well, you see, it's sort of hard to know once they are disarticulated. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I mean... Once once they've deflated permanently. Growers and showers, you know. (laughs) Think of how big a party balloon is when it has air in it versus how big it was when it doesn't have air in it. I mean... Uh, we're of a certain age. You might remember the Lorena Bobbitt, John Wayne Bobbitt, you know, oh, yeah. hopping on the internet in the early dial-up days, back when it used to screech like computer, like robots having sex, just to get on the internet on your 56K modem. Younger, younger. <laughs> I will never hear that sound the same ever again. <laughs> Not that I ever hear that sound. No, ever. we don't hear that. No, we don't. You don't even hear dial tones, as we were talking about earlier, like my nieces and nephews and, and your child are going to grow up never having... Never having heard someone hang up on them, and more's the pity. But yeah, and then and then getting on the early internet and googling pictures of John Wayne Bobbitt's severed penis, and it's they they shrink right up. They just like just I don't have a good analogy, but anyway. So Napoleon died in eighteen twenty one, probably from stomach cancer, uh, in exile on Saint Helena. Oof. During his autopsy, his personal physician allegedly took a number of anatomical souvenirs, a rib, a bit of stomach, and Napoleon's penis. The reasons for this have not been documented. Neither was it documented why he gave the penis to a priest for safekeeping. Huh. The priest smuggled the, uh, the penis to Corsica, and his family, because not every sect requires priests to be celibate, his family had the the Napoleonic penis in their possession for decades. It came to be in the hands of a rare book dealer who bought it at an auction in which it was described as a shriveled tendon. Uh, it was... <laughs> People will buy anything. I don't know if yeah, they I, know. I don't know if they thought it was a tendon or if they just didn't want to have to write in their official auction records. Penis quantity one. <laughs> <laughs> it was also described as looking like a maltreated strip of buckskin shoelace. Huh. Yeah. It then it then became fell into the possession of in 1977 for the low, low price of $3,000 to one John Latimer, who was uniquely qualified, if anyone, to own this piece of French memorabilia. He was a professor emeritus in urology at Columbia University. Well, it ended up where it belonged. Kind of, yeah. And he was able to confirm that it was, in fact, a human penis. But he has no way of determining whether or not it was Napoleon's penis. And he is quite the collector of historical oddities. He also has what is supposed to be the bloodstained shirt collar, the bloodstained collar off the shirt that Abraham Lincoln was wearing the night of his assassination, as well as a glass capsule of cyanide that Luftwaffe commander Hermann Goering was to use to commit suicide. Now, when Latimer passed away in 2007, he left Napoleon's penis to his daughter, and as far as we know, it is still in her possession today. Now, there is another very famous penis, and those of you getting tired of penis stories, don't worry, this is the, the last one. Good things come in threes. 
<laughs> Another very famous penis with multiple claimants to its title is the supposed disarticulated penis of one Grigory Rasputin, the Mad Monk, the spiritual advisor to the last Tsarina of Russia, Tsarina Alexandra, who claimed that he could cure the hemophilia of their only son, Prince Alexei. And in a way, he kind of did. Now, nothing in science even now can actually cure a genetic disease like hemophilia, but the court doctors had been given Alexei the miracle drug of their age, aspirin, which is not a good thing to give someone who has a bleeding disorder because it's a blood right. thinner. It, would only, it was only making him worse. So one of the first things Rasputin did when he was brought on board with the royal family stopped the doctors from giving Alexei the aspirin. So he got that much better. So it looked like he was improving. And after that, the Tsarina took everything Rasputin said to be gospel. And he, people began to worry that this, this strange, unwashed, because he wore the same pair of underwear, I think, for a year. He would go months at a time without washing. Which was really strange for a guy who was apparently getting tail like it was going out of style. Just, oh. just up to his neck and pussy, like all the time. <laughs> And he was crusty, apparently. Yeah, like nasty. Well, his particular sect believed that um, repentance, that penitence was the path to holiness. So you're going to need some stuff to repent for. Well, that's where sin comes in. So if you're committing lots of sins, like, say, lots of uh, carnal knowledge, then you'll have lots of things to repent for and lots of uh, quick path to heaven. I mean, I feel so, it. I understand. Yeah, it's a pretty good loophole, <laughs> I think. And so he was renowned for having had an ample endowment. Grosse Schwanze, for any of my Yiddish for any of my Yiddish speakers in the audience. And please, if anybody who hears this speaks Yiddish, at me, Brain on Facts Pod, please, I want to talk to you. I love Yiddish. So yeah, he had a big cock, is what I'm saying. Uh, and there are multiple museums that claim that during his famed execution in which he was unsuccessfully poisoned, shot, beaten, and finally drowned, that his attackers also cut off his penis. Various examples that were purported to be Rasputin's penis have all been proven to be fake. Uh, one in a museum was revealed to be the penis of some form of livestock, be it a horse or a cow. There was another, before it landed in a museum, it was in the hands of a private collector who kept it in a velvet-lined box, and it was actually worshipped by a group of people, well, let's call them a cult, because that's what they were, the, the cult of Rasputin, and they worshipped the dismembered member, which was described as being, well, rather like a large, withered, black banana. Like, you ever look at the banana in the fruit bowl and say, I should have made banana bread three days ago. Now I just have to throw this out. Like that. Yeah, l like that. And and they were worshipping it. But, you know, it takes all kinds. Takes all kinds. Well, bananas are freaking fascinating. How we only eat one species of banana, the Cavendish. How they're actually clones of one another. And that makes them incredibly susceptible to disease. And there's a particular blight on bananas which can be carried across an ocean on a single grain of dirt. And could wipe out the entire banana 
population. And the reason that banana flavored things don't taste like bananas is they're actually not based on the bananas we're eating now, but based on the type of banana that was most popular before it got wiped out by a particular blight. Yeah. And then the Cavendish banana took over. The Gromy shell. Ah, I'm glad you remember the name. Also See, known the, prob- as the Big Mike. <laughs> the problem with me is I got struck by lightning eight years ago, and I have all this knowledge in my head, but it's not always where I left it. <laughs> so a lot of the files are 404. My my brain is basically my my brain is basically an encyclopedia with all of the pages torn out and thrown around the room. It's all there. I just can't always find it in the middle of the conversation. I I don't have any excuse. My brain's like that anyway. Yeah, I wasn't struck by lightning and that's how my brain works, so You're good. I just have yeah, you're I good. just you're fine. No worries. I just have the best built-in excuse for a blonde moment or a senior moment ever like oh sorry struck by lightning and then people expect expect less from you it's very freeing i recommend everybody if you can get slightly struck by lightning (laughs) do do so today just slightly dead and then you're fine after that well thankfully for me i was it wasn't a direct hit I was outside milking my goats for the evening milking. It was raining horrendously. And I was standing with my hand on the fence, fussing at a goat to come out so I could milk her. When the loudest crack you ever heard sounded right over my head. Mm -hmm. And as I was falling into the mud, I had three distinct thoughts. Stupid electric fence. I haven't had the electric fence on in a month. I think I've just been struck by lightning. The bolt of lightning had actually hit my house, lit it on fire, and then dissipated out through the mud to the fence that I had my hand on. Right, because it will travel through the ground. Yes, it will. Uh, So I had been struck by lightning and my house was on fire. And it was a bloody nuisance, all told. (laughs) It was a a hell of an afternoon. It was a very bad day. It was a hell of an (laughs) afternoon. But that was just like, I, and uh, we're standing there, my husband at the time and I, and this, this, police officer who happened to be the first person to get there what he thought he was going to do with the fire extinguisher from his trunk i don't know but i appreciate the thought yes exactly bless his heart and he's listening to me say things like i had just got the kitchen the way i wanted it just being annoyed and he's, (laughs) he's wondering why i'm not more upset i'm like man this isn't even a thing around here this doesn't even move the needle in terms of crises at this place don't even worry about it (laughs) And that was my second fire. The first fire in the same house, we believe, was caused by a 16-year-old Himalayan cat who decided that she wanted to be where the oil lamp was. Yeah. So the oil lamp had to go. In this case, onto the carpet. And then she just trotted back to the other end of the house like nothing was wrong. (laughs) Because cats are are assholes. Yes. So... Going back to Rasputin's penis, as we so often do in life, the worshipped penis was revealed to be not a penis in any way, uh, not a banana either, but a dried out old sea cucumber. And even... (laughs) Oh, they were... Bless them. They were worshipping a black sea cucumber. I mean, sea cucumbers are pretty cool how they can like vomit out their innards to escape predators that's not nothing it's something at least how big are sea cucumbers they can uh, get apparently the as large as a foot long penis yeah a foot long well yeah that was kind of his claim that to was fame. The, that was the rumor 
Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is so large. So that was Jesus's foreskin, Napoleon's penis, which was definitely a penis, and then Rasputin's penis, which was either a horse penis or a sea cucumber. <laughs> Amazing. So I'm going to talk about the arm of St. Jude. And St. Jude's an interesting saint. He's the patron saint of lost causes. He's also the patron saint of the Chicago Police Department, as well as the namesake for the St. Jude Research Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee, that helps kids with terminal illnesses. And he is not to be confused with Judas Iscariot, the, the dude who turned Jesus into the Romans. So Bo- bonus fact, Judas had red hair. Oh, okay. Yeah. As did the Whore of Babylon. It's like left-handedness. It's kind of vilified in the Bible. Aw. <laughs> I am not- left-handed. And my daughter is a redhead. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nice little cadre of evil you've got going. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We've got a nice little coven here. Yeah, exactly. She, she, my kid does love witches. Uh, this, uh, because he, he's... He's often uh, confused with Judas. He's also called Jude Thaddeus or Saint Thaddeus, so that he is not confused with Judas. So, did we go into what a reliquary actually is? I mean, you guys talked about reliquary. Yeah, I think we've all been using it, but I don't think any of us defined it. Okay. So, just in case nobody knows, a reliquary is a simple like container that usually can contains relics. Um, usually, they're religious, and like Moxie was talking about, they were extremely common in medieval Christi- Christianity. So, um, a simple online search of famous body parts revealed that the Catholic Church has a lot of saintly body parts in reliquaries floating around. And sometimes the reliquaries with the sacred objects in them are thought to have or have had healing properties. Or a lot of them um, might have been scams. And the Dominican Shrine of St. Judas Thaddeus, which is what we're talking about when it, I'm going to talk about St. Jude's Forearm. The, the Dominican, Dominican Shrine says they have a class list of the kinds of relics you might find in reliquaries in the Catholic Church. The, a first-class relic is a part of the saint's body, so it was actually directly attached to the saint. A second-class relic would be an article touched by the person or the person directly touched that person or touched the object. A third-class relic is something touched indirectly to the person by means of a first- or second-class relic. So when I talk about the arm of St. Jude, it is actually a first-class relic because it's actually his forearm. So if nobody knows about who St. Jude Thaddeus is, he's thought to either be the brother or the son of St. James. It really depends on the translation. And he might have also been Jesus's cousin. Again, that really just depends on the translation. And if you aren't Familiar with the term apostle, if you don't know much about Christian mythology, the apostles were the first 12 disciples or followers of the Christian Messiah, Jesus Christ. Both St. Jude and St. James, so son and father are two brothers, were apostles and contemporaries of Jesus. They existed at the same time because they were followers of of his. And if you are at all familiar with the story of Jesus uh, pressing his face on the cloth and his holy image was emblazoned upon it, 
St. Jude was the keeper of that image. So from the story, Jesus gave the cloth to St. Jude and told him to go to King Abgar of Edessa. St. Jude took the cloth image of Jesus to King Abgar and cured Abgar of leprosy. So the image cured Abgar of leprosy, according to the story. After that, King Abgar converted to Christianity. This is why St. Jude's statues or images of him are often depicted holding an image of Jesus because he had that magical cloth. Oh, that makes sense. So Jude is thought to be from a Jewish family in Galilee, which was part of the Roman Empire at the time of Jesus. He followed Jesus, and after Jesus' death, traveled throughout Judea, Mesopotamia, which is current-day Iraq and part of Syria, Libya and Syria, to spread the teachings of Jesus. He was martyred, so he's a martyred saint, and killed in 65 AD in what is now Syria with the apostle Simon, who he was traveling with. He was buried temporarily in Mesopotamia, which I said earlier was now uh, Iraq and Syria, and there are various places his bones were said to have been, including in an Armenian ministry on an island. So in 1665, his bones were moved to St. Peter's Basilica and put in the crypt under the the main tomb of St. Joseph, so it's still in uh, St. Peter's Basilica, and the bones of St. Simon are also with them. His forearm, for whatever reason, was separated and encased in a silver reliquary that was located in Armenia until Armenian Dominican missionaries took it to Turkey and then to Italy. It made its way to Chicago in 1949 because it was presented to the Dominican shrine of St. Judas Thaddeus St. Jude Thaddeus in Chicago as part of the 20th anniversary of the shrine's dedication to St. Jude. It's been there ever since. You can go visit it. It's sitting there in a cool reliquary and occasionally goes on tour for special events. So St. Jude was sainted because he was martyred spreading the word of Jesus. He is sometimes associated with the symbol of an axe. So if you say St. Thaddeus was an axe, it's because he was beheaded by an axe. And Catholics love to be reminded of really... Wretched things. Wretched things. (laughs) Yeah, it's like like Bill Hicks said, you think when Jesus comes back, he's going to want to see a bunch of crosses all over the place? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. He was also believed to have received the Holy Spirit, if you're not familiar with what that is, because you don't know Christian mythology. It's like basically hardcore God juice that you got directly from Jesus. It's magic juice. Hardcore God juice. (laughs) Buddha Voltron. (laughs) Hardcore God juice. We are getting so many catchphrases out of this episode. (laughs) And he was one of uh, Jesus' followers, so he got the hardcore God juice directly directly from the jc himself so as i said you can visit saint jude's forearm it's in a very beautiful reliquary it's at saint pius v parish 1909 south ashland chicago avenue ashland avenue chicago illinois 60608 there you go i gave you the address for it so you can gps it (laughs) you can donate money to the shrine to receive holy oil blessed by the arm so I don't know how they do this. Maybe they wave the arm over the oil and it's blessed. I have no idea. You can get Holy St. Jude oil there too. Or you can send a prayer online or light a candle to St. Jude 
or find free St. Jude coloring pages at the website of the National Shrine. So I love that you can visit the arm of a saint online and have your prayers online answered. That is St. Jude. Beautifully modern. <laughs> well, if you want to uh, visit Saintly Bones without having to get a passport, St. Nicholas, some of his bones are in Northern Virginia. Really? Yeah, like a finger bone, I think. Oh, is it in a reliquary? I would assume so. I think once you, I think any box you put a relic in becomes a reliquary. I don't yeah. know the exact yeah. definition of it. <laughs> and then Catholics like fancy boxes, so it's probably a really fancy box. Well, if you're going to pay the, the amount of money people tend to pay for relics, you're going to put it in a nice box. Yeah, I would assume so. It's not just going to be you like know. the shoe box that Keen came in. Ex- exactly. Like, it's like <laughs> uh, I work at a wine store, and Sam Adams Utopias is this limited run that they make of this 28-proof beer. It's $250 for this little small bottle shaped like a copper mash tun, part of the the beer-making equipment. You're not going to buy that and then leave it in the cardboard box it came in. You're going to get like a really nice, you're going to display it really nicely. So if you're going to pay the money for a finger bone of St. Nicholas, you're going to put it in a nice box. So you think you're going to, if you finish this beer... You think you would put your holy relic in the pretty beer? I mean, that seems like a nice container. That wasn't the analogy I was making, but... Oh, I I know. I'm just (laughs) thinking. I was thinking, you know, I might have a holy relic and maybe I need a pretty box to put it in or a beer that is pretty. There is... I'm trying to remember. There was a particular saint whose bones were put into a vat of... uh, into a barrel of either wine or beer that the monks of this particular monastery drank in an effort to protect themselves from the plague that was going through the area at the time. Did it work? I don't know, but at least they'd be too drunk to notice. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, have you ever heard of a hand of glory? No, I haven't. Oh, a hand of glory. Once you mentioned that it was St. Jude's forearm, I want to get this description exactly right. It's not like a glory hole, right? No, it's not a glory hole. Uh, Both (laughs) useful, but hardly interchangeable. No. Yeah. Uh, A hand of glory is the hand of a hanged man that has been preserved in a very specific way. It should be his left hand, because of course, as we established, left hands are evil. It should be preserved in the fat rendered out of his body, and each finger has a wick added to it to make it like a candle. And if you light the hand of glory, it makes you invisible, I think, so you can commit crimes. Really? If you can find someone who's been hanged and get their left hand and render off enough of their fat to preserve it in and make a wick out of each finger, then here comes the Ocean's 14 that nobody asked for. (laughs) I also got to say, like, if you're going to go through all that trouble, tr- you're probably going to hang someone yourself and then take his hand yourself. I'm just going to say this is in serial killer territory right here. No, but it's a really good story prompt. Exactly. It is a good story prompt. And it could make a really funny comedy of errors if you have somebody like trying to the Mr. Bean their way through creating the hand of glory just to pull off their heist. And then at the end, it's like, <laughs> Ugh, not even worth it. Nice. Emily says it's gross and Catholics are weird. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Inherently. And I'm saying this as someone who was raised Catholic. 
Or as the great comedian Richard Jenny said, I'm Catholic in the same way that if a cow was born in a tree, it would be a bird. (laughs) You know, that's funny because all three of us were raised Catholic. Yeah. Is anybody still practicing Catholic in the group? No. (laughs) No. No, it's 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 step aerobics and unappealing snack food. That's that's Catholic mass right there. <laughs> and it's not even ste- like it's not even good step aerobics. It's like kneel aerobics. Like I I feel like my knees have aged ten more years just from being Catholic when I was a kid. From all the like kneeling on those hard little pew things. Yeah, we didn't have kneelers. You didn't have kneelers? No, we just stood and sat and stood and sat and stood and sat and oh, stood. Oh, so sat. you weren't you weren't like that's only two thirds Catholic then. Yeah. Yeah. You kind I'm two thirds not Catholic anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do you gotta do the whole shebang if you really want to earn it. Well, this was awesome. Yes, thank you. Thank yeah, you so much for having me. Give it, for giving me a venue to talk about world traveling dismembered penises. <laughs> Love Any it. time, really. Yeah, exactly. Anytime. Anytime. Well, I'll have, to, I'll have to look for some more because those were the only famous dismembered penises I could think of off the top of my head. But I'm sure there are others out there. Well, and then there's what are we? Buddha's teeth. Voltron Buddha. The multiverse. And the, the, and the spirit and, robots. And the spirit robots. And then the god juice. The souped up god yeah. juice. Super god juice. To get the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Oh, speaking speaking of which, you guys, when after the baby's you know down for the night, uh, hop on YouTube, look for uh, this is not happening. It's a Comedy Central thing. Ari Shafir and the Holy Spirit. It okay, will, it will be a highlight of your day, I guarantee. Nice. So this is not happening. Holy Spirit. Honestly, I'm going to go watch it again for the fifth time right as soon as we finish filming because I just just now remembered how funny it is. Awesome. Well, thanks, Moxie. Well, thank you so much again for having me. Yep, that's Moxie from Your Brain on Facts, a podcast about facts, and usually themed facts. Yep. It's uh, things you didn't know, things you thought you knew, and things you never knew you never knew, available on the same app you're listening to this fine show on. <laughs> and it's amazing. It is. It's a lot oh, of fun. Thank you. And tune in to Your Brain on Facts the week of Thanksgiving this year. For special guest stars. Not going to say who, but you totally know who. Yeah. <laughs> who could it be? Who is it? <laughs> what they, are they missing something? What are like? they talking about? <laughs> and there was. <laughs> There's my toddler. She's excited about it too. Yeah, there she was is. even there was even an Easter egg in the beginning of this episode alluding to what topic they're bringing to my show. So go back and listen and see if you can find it. Hmm. Un- unchokable food. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find us at where does it podcast at gmail.com and where does it podcast.com. And I haven't updated that website since we did our last interview, which is horrible. So I apologize <laughs> to everybody, Sarah included. And find us on Instagram. Uh, where does it podcast? I think so. And at where does it podcast and on Twitter, at where does it pod one. Yep. And we will post all of Moxie's links in the show description. So you can just click instead of having to think. Hooray. Hooray! Less thinking is always good. Yes.